You know, names typically mean stuff to us. If threw up a screen and there were pictures of Biden and Trump and Will Smith and Oprah. If, if you, you really think about it, all of those names bring out an emotion or a feeling or a reaction to those people. There is something to names. Uh, there is a power that's intrinsically attached to that. And when we think about the name of God, you know, if, if I'd ask you, what do you think of when you think of Trump? Or what do you think of when you think of Biden? And we're going to have some pretty, you know, wide range of opinions and things like that. But when it comes to God, I mean, his name, there is so much attached to it. There are so many emotions that are attached to it, so many feelings that are attached to it. Names mean something in our heart. Uh, there has not been a time where I've met a Kaylee, uh, a, a girl, uh, where I don't think of, of our daughter. Uh, that, that we lost. And, you know, there's nothing necessarily special about the name Kaylee, but it means something to me and Miss Pam. Uh, there's, there's, there's emotion attached to it. There's significance attached to it. There's meaning attached to it. There's, there's something there. Uh, you know, case in point, names call into mind what people have done or their accomplishments. How many kids have you ever met named Hitler? Okay. Uh, how many kids have you met named Benedict Arnold? Uh, you don't. And you don't name your kid Judas because there are, there are connotations attached with the name. You wouldn't saddle a kid with that. I've been told many times by my kids, why did you saddle me with a name like Lake or Ridge, you know? Uh, names do mean stuff, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, if, if there's ever been a name, though, that has the greatest meaning, that holds so much significance, y'all, it's the name of God. There is so much power in his name. And when we think of the name of God, uh, you know, lots of us just think God. But the truth is, man, God has so many names for himself. And I think every one of those names we can use in different situations, in different scenarios. And when we know those names, I think we can unlock the power that's in that name. I think we can utilize the power that's in that particular name of God. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to teach you more than just how to pronounce the names. I'm going to, I'm going to help you uh, apply the names, how to use them in your own prayer life. And we're going to start with a word called Elohim today. Uh, Elohim is how we pronounce it in Randolph County. If we were in Jerusalem, uh, we would really kind of pronounce it with that, that Hebrew flair on it. But uh, in the Hebrew, it would be Elohim. Uh, Elohim. 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 I don't speak like that. Elohim. Ridge be able to throw that word out for you. I can't. Elohim. But we're not going to say Elohim because it's just hard to, get, it's hard to get your tongue around it. Elohim is good enough. But that is the Hebrew name for God that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, some of you may not have ever heard that name, but I'm going to introduce him to you with that name. Uh, and not just how to pronounce him, but, but how to take that name and use it in a personal way. How to use that name to unlock some situational difficulties that you're dealing with. The names of God matter. They reveal the part, they reveal his character, his nature, the characteristics of who he is. If we know, if we know the name of God, uh, we can rest in those names. And unless we know and understand these things about God, it's going to be hard for us to utilize and access it. Because I think that God wants us to know him fully. I don't think God just kind of wants us to know him as an acquaintance or God wants us to know him, uh, you know, from afar. I think God truly wants us to fully know him. Uh, when my kids were growing up, I would send them into Casey's to get, get a soda or something and they'd have my debit card. 
Now, Lake and Ridge were not Mike Fogerson, but they had access to Mike Fogerson because they had my credit card. They, they, they could have drained my account, you know. Then uh, the little woman behind the counter would look out and see, is the old man in the truck? Yep, old man's in the truck operating on his name. Y'all, there is a, there is, pardon the, the illustration, but God wants you to use his credit card. He wants you to use his name when you need it. And y'all, we're going to unlock and unpack some of these things. He desires us to know him more and fuller. Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2. I want you to kind of see in your mind, this is kind of God putting out his hand and introducing himself to us. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. The word God there, and by the way, this word God is the Elohim. It is the Elohim. Uh, it's used 35 times in the first couple chapters of the Bible. And this is the word God uses to describe himself, Elohim. Y'all want to try that out for size? Say Elohim. Elohim. Sounds fancy, don't it? Yeah. Elohim. Now, the very first verse of the Bible, God introduces himself to us. And Elohim means this. And by the way, you're some preacher. I don't see that in there. It's, it's in the Hebrew. It's in the Hebrew. It's in the language. It means the strong one. It means the creator. And we're going to unpack what that word Elohim means for us and to us. It means he's strong. Yo, God is, is not a created being. Nobody created God. I remember going to Sunday school class as a kid thinking, oh, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I asked my Sunday school teacher, well, who's God's mama? Never figured that out. But what I didn't understand as a little kid is God doesn't have a mama. God doesn't have a daddy. God has just always been God. Nobody created God. He's not a created being. In fact, he's the creator of everything in the universe. There is nothing that exists without him. And he existed before anything was. He has no end. He has no beginning. He is the creator of everything in our universe. He is the creator. Uh, he, is, uh, he is the strong God. He made the Grand Canyon. He made the stars. He made the rivers. But guys, God is not the Grand Canyon. God is not a river. God is not the stars. But he did make them. But he's not limited to these things. He is the creator of them. He's not limited to years. He's not limited to time. He's not limited to space. He's not limited by anything. He is above and beyond it, although he made it all. He's not limited by those things. Let's discover more about our God by coming to a deeper understanding of his name, Elohim, as he introduces himself to us. And we ought to, uh, when you identify God's name and when you understand God's names, it relates to your current state of affairs and you can cry out to the God who you need healing from. By the way, if you need healing, God has a name for that. It's called Jehovah Rapha. We're going to unpack that. But you know what? Well, you can go to the throne of God's grace with confidence and pull out his personal name for your situation. Sister, there's power in that. You're accessing behind the scenes, if you will, but not as a secret. He wants all of us to approach him like that. When we understand the nature of God's name and how they relate to our situation, we can connect to his power. We can unlock God's power to deliver us in that circumstance. I've got really just three or four quick little things I want to tell you today. I want to talk to you about Elohim. Elohim is here, there, and everywhere. Elohim is here, there, and everywhere all at the same time. Now, y'all, this is going to be hard for our little redneck minds to get around. Don't you sweat it. Don't break your brain over this, okay? If we served a God that we could understand, he's not much of a God. 
So what I'm going to tell you about is really just how big our God is because he's here, there, and everywhere. The word that we're looking for is a 75 seminary word. It means transcendent. Say transcendent. It means he is peerless. God doesn't have any contemporaries. He's not hanging out with Baal and Buddha. He is who he is. There is nothing beyond him or above him. He is he, he's the guy. He's matchless. He's peerless. He's the ultimate. He is absolutely perfect. He is on another level. And y'all, God sees all periods of time as if they happen right now. He sees the past and the present and the future. He sees here, there, and everywhere. And in order for him to be free from the tethers of things like space, time, and matter, he's got to be above it. He's got to be beyond it. He's got to be outside of it. He's bigger than all this mess. Truth is... We can't even understand 1% of God unless he explains it to us. Not only does he exist outside of creation, but he also exists inside of creation. You know, when God made everything, he had to create the space to put the matter into. There was nothing. And all of this comes from Elohim. The word I'm looking for is omnipresent. Y'all want to try omnipresent out? Omnipresent. What's omni mean? All. Present means, duh. He is literally everywhere at the same time. No matter where you go on this planet, there is God. Pastor Evans in his book, The Power of God's Names, this is the illustration he uses and I really like it. He says, no matter where you go on this planet, you are in an atmosphere. You have air. If you go down seven miles into a cave, there's air. You go, you, uh, you, you, you go to Cincinnati or you go to China, air is there. You are operating in that atmosphere of air. Uh, when we're on this earth, there's nowhere we go that we can't escape air. Y'all, there is no place where you're saying, oh, what about the ocean? Don't be silly, okay? You know what I'm talking about. We're surrounded by air right now. We may not see it, but we're surrounded by it. Y'all, God's presence exists everywhere on this earth all at the same time. Now, when we leave this earth, are we in air? This is where the illustration breaks down. When we get, when, let's say we get on one of Elon Musk rockets and we shoot up past the stratosphere and things like that. When we get out in outer space, is there air? This isn't a trick question, y'all. Come on. Is there air in space? No! That's why them guys got them back, them good-looking outfits. There's no air out there. Now, that's where the illustration breaks down. Guess who is out there? God. He's everywhere at the same time. Now, when you can understand the idea of air being around us on earth, there's nowhere you can go that God is not. Whether you go to the bottom of the, the deepest trench in the ocean or you go to the mount, uh, the top of Mount Everest, you need to understand something. God is in every step of that journey. You can't go where He is not. Last August, the James Webb Telescope took a picture of the furthest star, the uh, Arendelle star. It's about 38 billion light years away. It means it takes light 38 billion years to get there. Y'all, when they fired that Webb Telescope towards the Arendelle star, can I tell you something? God's there too. He's there too, and He's even beyond it. There's not a place he's not. And the word that describes that idea of God's bigness and God's omnipotence, that beautiful word is Elohim. He's omnipresent. He is transcendent. There's a word called Jehovah Shema, which means that God is there. 
And we're not going to cover that in this series. But church, there's not a place on, in this universe where God is not. So Elohim is here, there, and everywhere. When you're going through your stuff in your life, you need to understand something. You ain't going through nothing that Elohim isn't, at, isn't going through you with. He's with you every step of the way. Not only is he here, there, and everywhere at church, Elohim is personal. He's not the force. The Bible doesn't describe God as a cloud of energy or some celestial cloud being. The Bible describes Elohim as a personal being. Genesis 1, 3, 5. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. And there was evening and there was morning on one day. He's not the force. He's not some uh, mythical... ethereal thing he's personal he spoke he separated he called he's a god that operates in some other dimension that i that i can't get my little head around but here's the amazing thing not only is god in some other uh, god in some other dimension moving all the parts sees the past and the present and the future all at the same time but this idea that god is a uh, elohim is a personal god guess what genesis chapter 3 says that elohim walked with adam and eve in the coolness of the garden He's not just some weird force out there. He's a personal God. He is a being. And we're not alone in this great big universe. Praise God. We're not alone. And I'm not talking about the UAPs. I'm not talking about UFOs or the graves. Y'all, what I'm saying is that God is with us no matter where we go. We're not alone. In fact, the Bible says that God is always with us. He's, not, uh, he's the God that knows how many stars are in the universe. And here's the personal part. Not only does he know the amount of stars in the universe, but man, he knows the number of heads on your, he- the number of heads on your hair. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He's the personal God that knows us. He is the God who is here, there, and everywhere. Elohim is a personal God, and Elohim is a plural. Say plural. Now, I want you to understand something. It doesn't mean we serve three gods. We serve one God. Manifest in three offices, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Preach, you've got to have to unpack some of that for me. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm going to be honest with you. I I, I ain't got the gray matter to do it. It's a mystery. But I'm going to show you some things. The Hebrew word for God is El, E-L, O. This idea of Elohim is plural. When I say, you know, they and them, you know, there's more than one person. When God says, my name is Elohim, he's not schizophrenic. He's not saying, he's not saying he's crazy. This is what goes on. Then God said, let, who's he talking to? And by the way, y'all, this isn't the first, this isn't the first book of the Bible. He's introducing himself to us. Let us make man in our image. And I think what God is, this is what's called progressive revelation. He lets us know a little bit about him like bread, breadcrumbs. And we, the more we take, the more we learn, the fuller idea of God we get. He said, let us 
Make man in our image according to our likeness. Well, who's us and our? And let them rule over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He's not schizophrenic. God is a plural being, although he exists as one God. There's all kinds of crazy illustrations to help us understand that. They're all kind of weak at spots. The Lutherans love to use the, the, uh, the triangle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, and they're all equal size and they all make up one. I've heard people say, you know, like, uh, uh, let's say I'm a father, I'm a son, uh, and I'm also an uncle. But I'm only one person. That breaks down to, this is simple. I like simple. Simple is good. Pastor Evans says, have you ever ate a pretzel? In a pretzel, there are three different holes. He said, if you can imagine, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each one of them are different, but they are all in one. When God says Elohim, it is a plural word. And it is a progressive revelation that God drops a, 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 a breadcrumb there in the beginning. But by the time we get to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19... The Bible says, go ye therefore into all the nations, baptize, teaching them all that have observed, and baptizing them in the name of the... Let us make man in our image. So Elohim is a plural God, just as well as he is a personal God, who is here, there, and everywhere, and Elohim is the creator. Elohim is the only name God uses for himself in the very beginning of the Bible. 30, uh, 35 different times there in that first chapter alone. And the only person that is said to have created anything in Scripture, listen to this. The only person who is said to have created anything in all of Scripture is Elohim. Man does not create squat. Man cannot create anything. Because when we're looking at the idea of God creating, this is what he did. He created something out of nothing. The best man can do is recalibrate, refocus, remodel, uh, store. We can't make anything. When God makes, he makes it out of nothing. Brother Dwayne Schaefer, this is one of his favorite illustrations. Uh, there was a genetic engineer who was talking to God and said, Hey, God, I've been working in the lab for a long time, and I think I can make a man myself. I think I can bring in two, two, uh, two strands of DNA. I can, I can make somebody that'd be good, good-looking dude, beautiful singing voice. And God says, you really think you can do that? I said, yeah, I think I can do that. He said, like I did? He said, yeah, like you did. I got this covered. And he said, all right, let's throw down. So the scientist reached down and picked up some dirt. And God said, uh-uh-uh, you got to use your own dirt. God makes something out of nothing. We can't do that. We don't have the capability, we don't have the power, but God does. God never, uh, uh, the only person that is said to have created anything in Scripture is God. It's never man. But it, uh, we can recalibrate, reconfigure, reform. I've already said a lot of this stuff. I know this message. All right. Uh, Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the world were prepared by the word of God. He didn't, he didn't have to do a lot of work. He just spoke it. He spoke it so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. That means that God made all this stuff with nothing. He made all this stuff not with a bucket of clay, but God just spoke it into existence. God didn't even have to use His hands to make the universe. His mouth was enough. If He makes all with nothing, no raw materials, 
Church, think what he can do with our life. Because I don't know about you, but you, most of the time I don't offer him much. Because I ain't got much. But church, if he can make all of this with nothing, what can he do for us? What can he do through us? And what can he do with us? If he made all this with nothing, no raw materials, we serve an all-present and all-powerful and all-present God who can work wonders in our life even when there's not much to work with. Elohim is the restorer. Not only is he the creator, but he's also the restorer. Okay, guys, I'm not going to ask you to, 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 to make a big leap of faith, but I, I want you to see some things in this text. Elohim is the restorer. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. This is what formless means in Scripture. It means a waste dump. It means a place that is not fit to live. But God didn't create it to be a wasteland. God didn't create it to be a chaos planet. What happened, preach? Well, I want you to look at Isaiah 45, 18. For the, so, so you know, I'm not just blowing smoke. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and he did not create it to be a what? So what the fire happened? Between verse 1 and 2, because the world was formless and was void. It was a wasteland. It was a dump. What happened? If he made all with, with, with nothing, no raw materials, and yet this is what we see, you know, what happened. How did the creation get messed up between verses 1 and 2? This is what I think happens between verse 1 and 2. There is a war in heaven. This is in the book of Isaiah. There is a war in heaven and Satan... Heaven's choir leader looks up to God, who's made everything with his voice. Created the devil himself and all the angels of heaven. And God, with all of his power and all of his strength, the devil looks up the top of Mount Zion, there's God. Can you imagine the audacity of the devil saying, I think I can take you. I think, I, I think I'm better than you. Well, it caused a pretty big stink. In fact, such a big stink that the devil and a bunch of his flunky friends got kicked out of heaven. Where'd God send them? Here. The devil doesn't create anything but chaos. The devil doesn't create anything but a wasteland. You know that in your own life. That's the only thing that sucker can do. And so in verse 1 and 2, I think that this, this, this war in heaven happened. And the reason why the earth is void and formless is because Satan took the beauty of God's creation and he made it into a wasteland. It was over the mess, it was over the mess that the devil made that the Spirit of God moved over and he transformed the mess into a miracle and he made the earth livable. Church, I've got good news for you. The Spirit of God still moves over the wreck of our lives and can make our life livable. He can make a miracle out of the mess. That's the God we serve. So when you're thinking my life is nothing but a mess, it's off the rails, it's formless, it's void, it's dark, you need to understand something. There is a promise in the name of Elohim that you can draw strength from in your time of need. There's a power there when you know how to use it. He transformed the darkness in our lives and chaos into order. Elohim is in the business of restoration of things. That seem to have gone too far to fix. Elohim means creator. He is our personal God. He is plural. My church, please, please, please. I'm not saying there are three gods. I'm saying that God is in three persons. 
He is our Redeemer. You might be thinking, man, that's cool. I've learned some Hebrew words today, preach. I feel smarter. I feel more, I feel more smarter, maybe. I know this name. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to throw out that name. I know some Hebrew. El- Elohim. That's, that's, I think that's okay. But you're saying, preach, how's that help me on my lonely nights? How's that help me with my wife? How's that help me with my old man? How's that help me with my finances? How does that help me with that job? That? How's that help me with my boss at work that I cannot stand? What's that do to help me preach? Okay, I know Elohim. I know he's personal. I know it's plural. I know he's the restorer. I know he's the creator. But what's that mean to me? It means everything. It literally means everything. Genesis 2, verse 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, praise God, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Was he tired? Put himself out? I mean, my goodness, all he did was speak. How tired could he be? He rested on the seventh day. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and had made. And he made. Church, God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. He finished. In fact, he made this world to reproduce itself. I was out there trout fishing yesterday. You know, in my mind, and maybe he does, I don't know. It's a mystery. I, I was thinking that, you know, God had to think for every leaf on a tree to grow. He had to think for every fish that came through. Uh, he had to do that. But church... God made this world to reproduce itself. Seeds, fish, eggs. That's how big our God is. That's how smart he is. He made this world to reproduce itself. That's, that's what he's in the business of doing. Uh, so he always says, on that day when, when, when I had it all done, he's telling us, set that day aside for me. What he's saying is this, put your rest in me. Stop trying to work so hard. I'll take care of you. When the children of people, when the children of, of Israel were in the wilderness, he would give them enough food for the six, uh, for six, for a, they would pick up food for six days. And on the seventh, he'd say, just trust me, rest in me. I've got you covered, church. That's the same God that's got, your, got you covered right now. He's done. Everything that he has for your life, the purpose, the plan, your destiny, your legacy, it's already there. All we have to do is walk into it because he's finished. Hebrews 4, verse 4, and I'm going to read verse 9 and 11. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his work. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's us. For the one who has entered his rest, uh, who has entered his rest, has himself also rested from his work, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter what? Man, sign me up twice and seven times on Sunday. If there's some rest, I want it. And the reason why God is saying, "Hey, I rested." Church, you can rest in His rest. You can be assured that what He has put together will not fail or fall. God made the world so He didn't have to keep it creating. But he made the world to have the ability to reproduce for generations to come. Y'all, God established for us a rest. We don't have to freak out all the time. We don't have to go from day to day wondering if we're going to make it through. God said, hey guys, I got this. He established the promised land for the Israelites and all they had to do was walk into it. Church, he's got a destiny and a promise for you. He's got health for you, healing for you. You walk into it. He's established the rest of us. The rest for us if you belong to Jesus. Church, instead of trying to make God do something for you, instead of trying to make God do something in your life, why don't we just try resting in what he's already done? 
God, you've blessed me. You've, every time my heart beats, I tell you thank you. Every time I take a breath, I know it's from you. Every time my paycheck comes in, I know it's from you. Church, try, try stop arming God and just say, God, I want to thank you for what you've done. How you've blessed me. And it's trying to, instead of trying to make God do something for us, just rest in what He's already done. He's already prepared the works and ministry and the worship and the joy for you. All you have to do is walk into it. It's already done. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That means every single one of us. For good works prepared beforehand so that we would... Oh, preach, you didn't make that up? No, I didn't make it up. He created our lives with a purpose and a plan, with a destiny. All we have to do is say, yep, I'm going to walk in it, Lord. I'm going forward one step at a time. Whatever God is going to do, whatever God has planned or purposed for you, you've got to understand something. He's already done it, planned it, and purposed it. There is a blessing for you. You don't got to outwit God. You don't got to outplay God. You don't got to outlast God. You're not playing survivor with God. All you do is walk in His blessing and say, Elohim, I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But I see the evidence of your work all over my life. I was saved by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for sending Him. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the blessing. And Lord, I'm just going to rest up in you, Elohim, because you're a God and you're a big one and you're strong. And there's a blessing in that name if you know what you're doing. And, and I think you do. Instead of trying to make God do something for you, rest in what he's, done, uh, what he's already done. Church, when our steps are in sync with Elohim, you're going to discover the strength that's in the name, the power that's in the name, the hope that's in the name. And when we don't, this is what happens. We get turned around, we get lost, and that's where we need to make the U-turns. Elohim can make something out of nothing. He can empower it to grow to something incredible. And he can bring order into your chaos. If I could ask every head to be bowed and every eye closed. I want you to think about maybe a situation in your own life that's just kind of off the rails. And you're thinking, there's just no way I'm going to make it out of this mess. There's no way I'm going to have... There's no way there's going to be a turnaround. There's no way because it's hopeless. Church, God has introduced himself to you. And he said, oh yeah, my personal name is Elohim. It's kind of like giving you his social security card. He's, a, he's saying, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know everything there is about me. I want you to have full access to who I am. One of the first ways we do that is we just simply know his personal name. The God that's personal. The God that is powerful. The God that creates. The God who restores. The God who brings order out of chaos. He says, Here, here's my name. You need me, you call on me. You need me, call on me. If I could ask you to stand to your feet with every head bowed and every eye closed. My friend, today maybe you don't know where you would spend eternity if you would die. Well, I got news for you. The God who saves you for eternity is the God who can keep you right now. And maybe I've, I've talked a good game for you, and maybe you're struggling your own heart saying, man, I, I, I could get behind something like that. I, I, I want some of that in my life. Well, let me introduce a man to you. His name is Jesus. He's one of those holes on that pretzel, if you will. God sent His Son to this earth to die in our place for our sins so we can know freedom and redemption and salvation and hope and forgiveness and victory. But you have to receive it. You have to accept it.
You have to believe it. And that's about it. He's done all the work. He's the strong God. He's the creator God and praise Him. He's created a way for us to live forever. Today, if you've ever given your heart to Jesus, I just invite you to pray with me either in, out loud or in your spirit. Say, dear Jesus, I am a lost sinner and I need forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You died on the cross in my place for my sin. And I need you, Lord. There is no God but you. There is no God above you. You are the hope of the world and you are the hope of my world. Forgive me, Lord, of all of my sin. I profess my faith in you today. I place my life in your hands. Elohim. Speak order into my chaos. Elohim, restore the broken things in my life. Elohim, I've been feeling awful lonely today, but today I, but, but this morning I've been told that you're with me no matter where I'm at. Elohim, I want to live in that promise. I want to accept it by faith. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. We're going to start an invitation uh, here in a moment. You know, today maybe you just need to take care of some business with God. Come to an old-fashioned altar where thousands of saints before you have knelt. And say, God, I want the power that's un unlocked and unleashed in your name. There's power in words, church. There's power in words. Maybe today you need to start using that name of Elohim in your prayers when, you, when the need arises. And you can start doing that right now. Almighty God, bless the folks who are going to come forward to this altar, this invitation. Just as they start using, Father, in a very, very early way of using your, your blessed name of Elohim. God, I pray for those who come forward right now in the name of Jesus. Father, be their restorer. Be their personal God. Who can make wonderful things out of nothing. And it's in your name I pray. And amen.